0: It's my privilege to stand before you as we turn our attention to the word of God. As we turn our attention to the word of God. Uh, The sound room. Have we adjust the mic? Thank you. Praise the Lord. We're just adjusting some mics. Amen. So we get the echo taken away. But praise the Lord. We're good now. Amen. I believe we're good. And our study is coming today from the book of Habakkuk. And as was read in your hearing, our text is taken primarily from verses 17 through 19. And I just want to thank the Lord for the chapter, chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. And what we're going to learn today from the word of God is how to turn your worries into worship. How to turn worry into worship. As a young child growing up in Philadelphia, one of my favorite pastimes was when my grandmother invited me to go downtown with her during the Christmas season so that we could visit a place called Lit Brothers to look at the advertisements, but most importantly, to visit what was called the Enchanted Village. Now, before we would get on the bus, my grandmother had two simple rules. She said, when I'm walking, hold my hand. When I stop, let go of my hand and hold my coat. And then she would look at me very sternly, and she wouldn't need to say anything, but I understood that, look, it meant, if you don't hold my hand when I'm walking and drop, the hand from, drop your hand from my hand to my coat, when I stop, I will hurt you. So everything was going as usual, and we got to that floor that, not only is the Enchanted Village, very, very alluring for a child, but this was also the toy department. Grandmother had to pay a bill, and so we're walking through that part of the store, and I'm holding her hand, I'm following rule number one, and Grandmom stops to go into her purse to pay the bill, dropped my hand from her hand, but I didn't hold on to her coat. The trains were calling me. Something required that I, 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 I venture away from grandma's side. And so as I moved away from my grandmother's side, I became so enraptured with all of the toys that I forgot. Rule number two. By the time I realized and came back down to earth that out of my world of fantasy, I came to understand that Grandmom was nowhere to be found. And so the more I feared and worried that somehow my grandmother had left me and or that I was lost, the more I felt lost, the faster I ran through that store, And I was just in a panic, I was just worried. And then finally someone saw my plight and they called me over and they asked me my name and I gave them my name. And then they made an announcement. One of the store clerks made an announcement and said, uh, would the parent of or the responsible party for Tony Benson please come to the lost and found? So I'm standing there, and I, let me just, just be real with you all. I, I was crying. I was crying. I was, I, I was, I was shook up. Then as I'm just standing there around all of these strangers, I'm thinking, my grandmama left me. You don't really love me. And Even if she does, what's going to happen when she finds me? And then I could see her coming in the distance. While one of the clerks was holding my hand, when I saw grandmom, all my fears and worry went away. I went from worrying to worshiping. I ran to my grandmom, and I literally fell down and wrapped my arms around her knees. I was so glad that grandmom had come to reclaim me. But something very significant happened when she showed up it was something about her presence that caused me to stop worrying and while this was not acknowledged, see I wouldn't even say but bless, bless the lord this was recognizing how worthy my grandma was how significant she was so i went from worrying to adoration i want you to know as we are going through this very unusual and unique time that the Lord wants to take our worries and take us to a place of worship. Somebody say amen. When we're distracted by life, it's easy to let go of God's hand. When life gets crazy and you can't see God's presence or hear his voice, We tend to let go of our trust. Our hearts are overwhelmed with fear. Some of us may even feel worried and the fear that I just described. But there is a word from the Lord in the book of Abedekah. In the book of Abedekah, the prophet whose name means to embrace, fight, struggle. It means to brawl or wrestle. This prophet was given that name because when God ultimately called and anointed him for ministry, his entire ministry would be devoted to wrestling with God, struggling with God, brawling literally with God on his knees. You see, the prophet Habakkuk was different from other Old Testament prophets. Unlike most prophets in the scripture, they would stand before the people and speak God's word to them. But Habakkuk did just the opposite. He stood before God to speak on behalf of the people. In the first two chapters of the book of Habakkuk, the prophet expresses his many worries about the troubles that seem to get worse every day. Doesn't it seem like things are getting worse every day? When you get to chapter 3, he moves from worrying to worshiping. And what we discover from Habakkuk's experience, from wrestling or, or brawling with the Lord on behalf of the people, how it is possible to move from worrying, from fear, stress, and anxiety where now you are in his presence, and there is joy through your worship forevermore. Listen to what the prophet says at the end of the chapter in Habakkuk chapter 3. It says, even though the fig trees are all destroyed, and there's neither blossom left nor fruit, though the olive crops all fail, and the field lies barren, Even if the flock dies in the field and the cattle barns are empty, yet, here we go, he's going from worry to worry. He said, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be happy in the God of my salvation. Lord, the Lord God is my strength. He will give me the speed of a deer and bring me safely over the mountains. And that's from the living Letters translation, Living Bible translation, and I thought that would be a little clearer. But he goes from worrying to worshiping. Now, let me share with you from the word of God, and we're going to go actually through the entire book, but we're going to be very brief with it. If you want to move from fretting as you listen to the news and uh, about the pandemic, you're going to need to learn how to wrestle with the Lord. That's the first thing in chapter 1. A second thing that you're going to need to learn how to do to move from worrying to worship during troubled times, you're going to need to learn how to wait on the Lord, wait for his answer. And then the second or the third thing that happens, the prophet, as he's wrestling with the Lord and then waiting for the Lord's answer, God answers and tells him to write the vision. And so while you're going through difficult times in the present, God is saying, I want you to focus on what I'm about to do through what you're going through. And so we want to learn how to wrestle with the Lord. We want to learn how to wait and write the vision. And finally, in chapter three, we're going to learn how to worship God as you walk by faith in his word, to worship him as you walk by faith in his word. In chapter 1, we read the words in verses 1 and 2 in the book of Habakkuk, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. O oh Lord, how long shall, you, shall I cry, and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence, and you will not save. Can you sense the tension in the prophet's prayer? How long will I cry? Now, it's an interesting Hebrew word that is used for cry. It means to beg, to plead. It means to ask for mercy. The word cry actually has the idea of demanding based on what you expect out of the relationship you have with the person that you're making the request of. So how long must I beg, must I plead, must I demand of you because you are my heavenly father? You said nothing good would you withhold from them who love you and walk uprightly, and yet what I'm seeing doesn't match what you said. Then he says, at the beginning of the verse, he uses the Hebrew word for burden, Massa word massa, and, and what we're going to see, there are three, three things that are involved when it comes to wrestling with God, when it comes to doing spiritual warfare through prayer. There are three things that are involved. Spiritual warfare that is, that is, that is fought through prayer involves praying because of a burden that God has placed on your heart. When you are warring with God, The Bible says our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty. They're pulling out strong. When you are using your mighty weapons because Christians stand tallest when we're bending on our knees during troubled times, when you are in spiritual warfare through prayer, you will have a burden. You will have a burden. In this case, the prophet is not burdened for himself. He's burdened for what he saw. He saw the panic. He saw the pain. He saw the worry. He saw the stress. He saw the terror in the eyes of the nation of Israel. The Hebrew word that is used for for burden is master, and it is used to refer to the weight placed on the donkey to carry when the weight is too heavy for a mere human. And so what the prophet is saying is the weight that I'm carrying, this burden, this thing that is keeping me up at night, this thing that is causing me to cry out to you, it's more than I can bear. I'm begging you, God, to lift this burden, to take away this plague. Prayer was also a prayer of persistence when you're doing warfare through prayer, it will be a persistent prayer. Theologians call this a prayer of impetuity. It means that you keep knocking and you keep knocking and the person that needs to give you what you that, that you, what, you, what you're asking for they're not responding but even though they're not responding, you're so desperate and you know that the only hope for what is, is happening is is the person that you're praying to you keep on knocking. And because of your persistence, he said, how long I've been praying about this for a long time, and yet you have not answered. I've been declaring to you violence and injustice. I've been declaring to you, God, that people are desperate how long. Even though the duration of his prayer in spiritual warfare was long, he kept on praying. Sometimes God will allow things to happen like they're they're occurring around the world right now because he wants his people to keep on knocking at the door, to keep on being persistent until God answers, I'm going to keep knocking. Prayer that is involved with wrestling with God is a prayer that is real and raw. Say real and raw. Yeah, you said that. Amen. Real and raw. He said the prophet says, God, you are of pure eyes than to behold evil and cannot look at wickedness. God, my theology tells me, what I was taught in Sunday school is that when you see injustice, when you see disease, and it's coming upon your people, you will intervene. You will be our shield, but yet you're not moving on our behalf. He said, so the realness of it, Lord, he's saying, Lord, what I'm seeing you not doing doesn't match the theology I was taught. And then it gets real raw. You see, when you get serious about crying out for God, you don't care if you get your verbs right. You don't care if you get your your INGs. You don't care about the, you just, you get ugly with it. He said, Lord, why are you looking upon our circumstance and not intervening? Why isn't there a, a cure? Why isn't there an answer? Why isn't there an explanation? Why are your people subject to what you are bringing upon the world? Why aren't we sheltered? That's a raw prayer. That's when you're getting real with God. You you may never say it, but God knows your heart. He knows you're thinking it. He knows you're feeling it. And so during times like this, to get from worry to worship, you need to get real. You need to get raw. You need to get clean. Come clean with God. Let me call you out on what's troubling me, Lord. The prophet was wrestling now. The question is, Why? Should we wrestle with the Lord? Why should we wrestle with the Lord in our prayers when we are interceding on behalf of others? The prophet said, I saw this. This is not something that necessarily is causing me to worry, but what I see happening in, this, in the country today. Here's why we need to, to pray and wrestle with the Lord. and <clears throat> We need to know God's will, but we don't need to understand it to obey it. Sight demands an explanation, while faith accepts God's declaration. Let me say that again. Sight demands an explanation, while faith accepts God's declaration. The prophet was demanding an explanation. Tell me, God, explain to me, what is the delay? and Why haven't you moved? Sight says, I heard what you said, God. Now explain yourself. They said, as long as God said it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And so we need to war war with God in, in a real and raw way so that we'll know his will, even when we don't ex- understand his ways, so that we can obey. We need to pray. In warfare and wrestle with the Lord, brawl with the Lord, hold on to the Lord like Jacob said, Lord, until you bless me, until you give me my answer, until you show me a way out, until you show me a way through or over, I'm not going to let you go. He wrestled with the Lord in prayer. I like what the Koreans say. One of the Koreans that I had speak at the church on seven last words, he said, we have a... a a practice in Korea. In Korea, here's what we do. We push. What do you mean push? He said, we push. What does that mean? He said, we pray until something happens. That's what God is calling the church to do. He wants us to wrestle with him. Push, push, pray until something happens. Now, the second thing that we need to do as we're moving to one word, worry, To worship is we need to wait. Somebody say wait. In verse 1 of chapter 2, he said, I will stand my watch and set myself on the ramparts, on the wall, on the highest part of the wall, and watch to see what you will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. The prophet said, I'm going to wait until you answer. Now, how do you wait for the Lord during a pandemic? when every day the numbers are changing and increasing and you don't know who has coronavirus and who doesn't, oh, here's what you do. He said, I'm going to stand and watch as I wait. What that means when when he, the word literally means to, to, to don't move, don't go any further. In other words, whatever you know that God has already said, stand on that. Stand on what you already know before God tells you the next step. And so stand, wait on the Lord. Do what you already The second thing that we need to do as we're standing, uh, as we're waiting on God, expect an answer. He said, I will see what you will say. I'll see what your answer, answer. Then prepare yourself for what is true and right and best. He said, I will be corrected because obviously what I'm thinking God should be doing is not right because uh, God, uh, God, never, God never makes a mistake and trust that he'll answer. I want you to know that God answers every prayer. Sometimes he says, no, wait, I got something better. Or he says, yes. And so we need to prepare ourselves and trust. We need to trust and wait. And so as I'm waiting and I'm wrestling, the next thing the Lord does, he answers. Aren't you glad that the Lord answers? The Bible says, while we're yet speaking, God has already heard, and the answer has been discharged to us. It has been released. And sometimes the release is simply saying, Stand and wait until I give you full revelation. But so then, so he says, Wait. And then the next thing he does, something that's really unusual in the midst of, uh, of the difficult times, See, nothing's changed about the injustice and, and the fear and the terror that the people were experiencing. Nothing of that changed. The coronavirus hadn't gone away. But God is saying, In the midst of all that you're going on, write the vision. I want you to look beyond the current circumstances. While you're quarantined at home and while you can't go here and go to your favorite establishment, I want you to be thinking about the future. I want you to be planning about how this thing is going to look on the other side. He says, copy the vision. Write it down. Clarify the vision. You got time now. You home. You've been asking God for direction now. He said, I, you waited for me, and i put you in a position where you can't do anything else. So write the vision. Copy it down. Clarify the vision. Make it plain. Make it plain for your family. Where's your family going? Where are you going as far as your education and your occupation? This is going to pass. But while you're waiting on the Lord, his answer is, look beyond the present to the future Clarify the vision. Write it down. Make it plain. Yeah. Communicate the vision to your family. Communicate it once you've written it, once you've copied it and clarified that they may run with it. They can't run with it if you don't clarify it. You've got to communicate it. And then finally, you need to commit to the vision. He so said this vision is yet for an appointed time. Stick with it. It's coming to pass. It's coming to pass. What God will place on your heart during times where he has shut doors and closed windows and and, and he's saying just stand and wait and expect my answer, he's telling you right now, I want you to begin to look towards the future that I have for you and find your direction, not in what is going on around you refine your directions and the promises that I made what I give you as a vision, it will come to pass. So I'm not worried about the, 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 the cure. I, I'm, not wor- I'm I'm going to obey the instructions and, and we're going to be obedient because we are under authority but whose report am I ultimately going to believe? I'm going to believe his report. He said right down the vision in the midst of a storm right down. Where are you going? Where is God leading you? How does your end look from the beginning? Are you walking by faith? Are you able to see the invisible as if it is visible through the the lenses of the word of God? Are you framing what you see by the word of God? When I put in my frame of reference and my perspective becomes God's perspective, what I'm seeing is not the numbers that are rising about people who are getting sick and dying, but I'm seeing in the frame of faith, which is the word of God, I'm seeing what thus saith the Lord, and I am going to believe the report of the Lord. He's waited. He's wrestled. He's been instructed to write the vision, and finally, those things lead to worship and walking with the Lord by faith. In verse uh, verse 4 of chapter 2, it says, Behold, the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. We live by faith. We don't walk by sight. We frame, we frame our focus by the word of God. That's what faith is. You frame what you see by the word of God. The picture in the frame is what God said. And because it's what God said, and I see what God says because he's revealed it in his word, my only response is to obey it. And when I'm obeying it, I'm walking in faith. Yeah. Somebody say amen. So the proud continue walking walk in un- Nobody, you don't hear people turning to God. You don't hear people talking about repentance. But he says, but the humble... Continue to serve the Lord in darkness because faith is able to see the invisible as if it were visible. Faith allows you to turn your worries into worship, and here's how that happens. Let's finish with this. He said, even though the fig trees are destroyed and there is no, neither blossom left. And so he's talking about the future. He says, not that the fig tree, the, the sickness is here. And, and, and the fig tree, what we depend on for substance, it, it not only may the leaves fall off of the tree, but even if the tree never grows again, I'm going to rejoice. And he says that the, that the trees that remain, if the, if, the, if the fruit begins to fall off of the trees and they rot, he says, I'm going to continue to rejoice In you. So he's saying, not only am I going to trust you for my future, but I'm gonna trust you for the present. And he said, even if every flock, if every resource, if my refrigerator empties out, if the checkbook becomes funny, he says, I am going to eat the the past resources, the things that I've always been able to to, to lean on and trust in. And my job is not there, I'm gonna still rejoice and be glad. Why? Because the Lord is my strength, the Lord is my source, the Lord. Lord is my salvation. He is the author. He is the finisher of my faith. I'm going to rejoice no matter what the future looks like, what the present may be, and what the past has been. I am going to rejoice because my strength is in him. Paul and Silas were in prison. They were falsely accused. They were taken before a magistrate and convicted, and before they went into a dark, cold, dreary dungeon. The Bible says that they were beaten to the place where they were bleeding, and they were taken and placed in shackles, and now they're in the dungeon. And I don't know about you, but I would be Asking God some questions. I, I would be wrestling with the Lord. I'd be wondering why, Lord. I've been preaching for you. I've been witnessing for you. I've been tithing for you. I've been listening and living in obedience to oh God. And yet here I am. In locked in stock. In a dark and dreary dungeon. But in spite of worrying. The Bible said around about 12 midnight. Paul and Silas. Went from worry to worship. They began to praise the Lord. And right in the dungeon, I want you to understand, you ought to break out and worship right now. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you feel like. You may feel shackled because you're limited to your home. You can't go to your favorite places. But if you start worshiping, victory is in your worship. Victory is in your praise. Paul and Silas begin to praise the Lord. And the shackles fellow. Ah! Somebody needs to be unshackled. Somebody needs to be delivered today. Somebody needs to be loosed. God will take your worry and turn it into worship if you wrestle with him. If you wait on him. If you write the vision. You'll be able to walk with him by faith and worship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we bless you because you're here today. We worship you, O God, because all things, everything shall be possible through you to those who believe. In Christ's name, amen. 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 He will turn your worries, into worship. Now, maybe you're here listening to us via live stream. I want to extend an invitation to you to place your trust in the bomb who was in Gilead. I want to drop a bomb on you right now. His name is Jesus. He will heal your sin-sick soul. Because by his blood, we have the free gift of eternal life. And the Bible says all who call on Jesus, you'll be saved. I want you to know that God is allowing the plague To bring us to him. Oh, what a glorious opportunity to to tell others about Jesus right now. So if you're here and you're listening, you you just need to simply say, yes, Jesus, I know that you died for me. That you were buried for me. And as you said, the grave would not be able to hold you. On the third day, Jesus rose. And right now, the same Jesus is seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father with all power and all authority. And I hear Jesus saying, I'm standing at the door of your heart, and I'm knocking. If you allow me in, I will come in, and I will fellowship with you. If it's your desire to to give your life to Christ by faith, would you simply pray this prayer? After me, Lord Jesus, I need you. For I have sinned, and my sins separate me from you. But when you died, you were taking my place. Everything that I ever would do wrong, past, present, and future, you paid for it in full by giving your blood as the payment. By faith, I accept what you accomplished for me, plus nothing else. Lord, I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me and making me a part of your family. Let me continue to pray for you. Father God, for those who express the desire to trust Christ as Lord and Savior, I pray that you would confirm that confession and that they would share with another believer, another Christian, so that someone will be able to disciple them. Because God, you've called us not only to be a disciple, but to reach our full potential in Christ through the life-changing word by discipling others. Father, there may be someone under the sound of my voice who has strayed from you and they're in a backslidden condition. And God, you have put them in a place where they are home and they're quarantined and they're limited as the rest of us are. And yet now, God, what a good place to be when you have our full attention. God, may we we return you are married to those who come back to you. And the angels in heaven rejoice. Father, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Just before we uh, leave today, I want to pray. Uh, join me wherever you are at the altar. And I want to go before the Lord, and I'm going to ask him to place a hedge of protection around New Direction Bible Fellowship, and all of those who are a part of our family and friends. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, you are Jehovah Rapha. You are the Lord who heals. And Father, just like in the time of Abraham, when you told him that you were going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of their great wickedness, Abraham interceded on behalf of the righteous. And he said, if there be a hundred, would you spare the city? And you said, yes. He said, if there be 50, will you spare the city? And you said, yes. Again, he said, 30 and 20. And each time he asked, you said yes. And then he stopped at 10. And you said, Lord, you said to Abraham in response to his prayer, because of your intercession, I will spare the entire city for 10 righteous. Father, I'm coming to you on behalf of, of the entire church family of New Direction and the body of Christ at large in Delaware and around the world. God, I'm praying that you would spare America from total destruction. God, I'm praying that you would put your hedge of protection around every member of New Direction, that no harm would come upon them. God, I'm praying that no sickness or disease connected to the coronavirus would come upon this congregation. God, I know that you said, and I believe it, that the fervent, effectual prayers of the righteous have great effect. And so we're praying right now. We thank you for that anointing that is coming upon every member. And Father, we're going to join together, as you said, When we touch and agree, we can bind and we can loose on earth what you've already bound and loosed in heaven. And so, God, we receive that by faith. And, God, we're going to serve you. We're not going to shrink back. We're not going to live in fear. For you have not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. We're going to use whatever resources that you've given to us to witness to our neighbors, to love up on our seniors, oh God, and to love up on one another. That men will know that we belong to Jesus and that Jesus, the Christ, still reigns. We thank you and we bless you in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Until next time. Praise the Lord.